and welcome to your show. Or mine. Or mine. <laughs> I am Becky Standle, Youth Services Librarian at the Longview Public Library. I am Austin Brigden, Administrative Assistant at the Longview Public Library. And I'm Daniel Tate, Adult Services Tech at the Longview Public Library. Thanks for coming on the show, you guys. My pleasure. Thanks for having us. You're here because I liked the books that you selected for the sampler the best. And that's what we're here to talk about. So before we get to that, we have some library news. And we'll start We'll start with the bad news for us. Uh, Daniel? So I uh, am taking a job in Colorado uh, at the Loveland Public Library. So I will be moving, leaving here in a few weeks, and then moving to Colorado in the middle of February. So <laughs> that's <laughs> that's my uh, that's my story, and that is the bad news that I'm bringing. Yeah, it's bad news for um, us at the library. We're really going to miss um, Daniel's sparkling personality and his programming expertise. And him producing this podcast, especially. I think many people in the community are going to miss his hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they might find some still swirling around the library parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> if it's it's not all been been made into a bird's nest. Somewhere there's a bird's nest just made out of Daniel's hair. Well, some of them may say, hey, where's that one gal with the long brown hair <laughs> used to work here? <laughs> She helped me on the computer a lot. She <laughs> moved to Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> but the Loveland Public Libraries are lucky to get Daniel, and it's yes. good news for your mother in particular. Yep. We're very happy for your mom. Who, yeah. Uh, we'll get her youngest child, her little baby, close again. That's right. The stork is returning the baby. <laughs> oh, and I, yeah, I'm going to miss you all. I'm, uh, I'm staring off into space now to allow my eyes to dry a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm going to miss you all, miss Longview. This community is really where I kind of grew into the library world and where I was introduced to it and, and met so many hardworking, kind, generous people here and got to do a lot of fun things. And I will always have a special place in my heart for the staff here and the community. So I'm, I'm excited to go home. I'm born and raised in Colorado. And that's really like the, the thing that made this worthwhile for me and, and worth pursuing. So it's, uh, it's going to be a, a new chapter for me, and uh, it's a little overwhelming. It's, it's you know, this is a weird time, and uh, I'm just adding more strangeness on top of it. So. <laughs> and Daniel did just finish his master's degree in library. What do they call yours? Library science? Yeah, I got a, a just a library science degree, did that online the last couple of years. So, um, so he just finished at the beginning of December. Correct. Yeah. I just, just finished. I mean, not even a month ago. So there was a lot of, <laughs> it was, that was a lot to do in, in the year of the pandemic. And, um, 
and now, uh, yeah, here we are. So. Yeah, it's definitely been a strange time, mm. but we're happy for you. Sounds like Thank you. an exciting position. And, you know, everyone can just show up in Loveland if they want to see you, I guess. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Becky, you can you can some some day when you least expect it, you'll look out your window and Becky and I will pull up John Denver blaring from our vehicle. <laughs> I know that song. <laughs> Colorado Rocky Mountain High. Yeah. Austin has this dream, this like um, <laughs> boombox say anything dream. But it's Daniel and John Denver's on the boombox. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I have a dream. Well, I hope you have a sort of trench coat <laughs> thing to wear, too. You can wear my Carmen San Diego coat. There we go. That will really complete it. <laughs> uh, so I guess for our listeners, I just want to apologize for the expected drop in production value for a little <laughs> while, <laughs> at least until I get the hang of it. A lot of the stuff that, I mean, Daniel's been on the podcast several times, and he's always, like, super fun to talk to, and I really liked our conversations and stuff, but he also does, like, a lot of podcast work that's just, like, behind the scenes, and he often edit out our little comments about, you know, Daniel, do this, Daniel, do that. <laughs> uh, but we're making them and he's been doing the work and we really appreciate it thank you yeah no it's it's fun to be the the person who gets to hear it first and then <laughs> cut the knot and, yeah and and try to make it you all sound you know as clear as i can and and make it a, a fun yeah. product for for people to listen to so it's yeah. it's truly a team effort yeah i've said to lots of people don't worry Daniel will make us sound really smart. (laughs) (laughs) And I edit that out in case I can't do that. (laughs) We got some other stuff going on, I guess, though. (laughs) Right? Right, Austin? Right. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We've been working on getting mobile hotspots ready to go, and we're finally getting close to the finish line on that. We're expecting those to come out at the beginning of February, so stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really excited to be able to offer that service. Yeah, so that what that would entail is that you could like call us or go on our online catalog and request a hotspot to check out for like and, a six uh, weeks period. I should say that's thanks to a grant from the state library. Winter reading is in full swing. I overestimated. I had set our community reading goal for five thousand bucks, and I think we can make it to one thousand bucks, and I'll be really proud. Yeah. Let's lead with how proud we are of everyone for, for reading yeah. a thousand books. And you know, what's great is that so far, and we still got like a week left, almost a, th- a third or maybe over a third of the people who've registered for the program have already finished it. And um, that's big. That like, completion rate is really high. That's awesome. Yeah. Even now, without still having the week left, and I know that there are patrons I've talked to who are like, oh, I only have one book left. I think the highest completion rate of a being tech program that I've done. Must have we been doing Beanstack four years. So that's pretty remarkable, I think. That's awesome. Brand new kind of reading program and with all everyone's dealing with, I think I think we really hit the ground running there. 
Yeah. That's been really great. If you finish your five books, you get your full hat. Daniel, did you get your hat? I haven't collected my hat yet. I'll wear it. I'll grab one on Saturday and wear it proudly. Good. We're approaching the beginning of the new seed library season, Um, getting really close. We got some donations from some seed companies and some exciting stuff to offer you all, so stay tuned. That's going to begin like last year at the beginning of March, where we've got some Pacific Northwest Voices events in the works. There's a lot coming. And uh, right now the friends are doing a really cool fundraiser. You can check out their Facebook page and learn more about that, or you can go on our website. If you go longviewlibrary.org, and if you go to the Support Us tab, you can find information about the Friends of the Library and the fundraiser that they're doing right now there. They are selling greeting cards with images from our uh, Longview Room like historical photo collection, and they're really great. Gorgeous, gorgeous. So check that out. And the friends, uh, we should say, make possible so much of what we do. So um, please consider, please consider supporting them. Daniel, are you going to buy some cards before you go to Colorado? I might now. <laughs> you know, they make a they make a great gift for for moms. Yeah. <laughs> also, if you don't want to send them but want to like cherish them, you can like make a little photo collage at your new place. Just remember like where you came from. And there is a really nice historical photo of the library as one of the card options, too. That's good to know. And we'll slip some headshots of of us in there as well. (laughs) Like a locket. (laughs) (laughs) And a lock of our hairs. (laughs) (laughs) Only if I get to pluck those hairs myself. (laughs) That just took a turn. Oh, I made it weird. Okay. <laughs> Whoa, Daniel. Well, I'm editing easy. all this out. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. Oh, boy. No, this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. Okay. So last week I talked to uh, Chris and Jennifer and Jacob about the three books that they have selected for my library sampler. Just a quick recap in... December, I filled out a sampler request, which you can do, too. If you go on our website, fill out a sampler request. You can select 5, 10, or 15 items. Tell us what kind of stuff that you enjoy, and we will put together, like, a sample pack for you, and you can pick it up in library drive-thru and take it home and read them or try to read them and see what you think. So I had that done with, like, some special rules just for me, which is that each book in my five-book sampler was picked by a different member of library staff. And then I read them all, except for the one that Jacob picked, which I couldn't finish. And I selected my favorites, and that's why you guys are here today. Are you proud of yourselves? Whoop, whoop. It's an honor. (laughs) So let's start with the runner-up, which was... The Meadow by James Galvin, which Austin selected. Like I said before in the last podcast, it was really easy for me to discern who picked what. I think maybe especially this one, just because, like, I don't think Austin would have picked any of the other books. Right. Do you want me to talk about it? Yeah. Why did you pick The Meadow? Tell us about it. So The Meadow is by James Galvin. He's... Mostly written poetry, teaches at the Iowa Writers Workshop, 
splits his time between there and Wyoming. And the book, it's an unusual book, and it's about a meadow on the border of Colorado and Wyoming. Colorado. Whoa, um, wow. I know, I know. You may want to, you may want to check this out, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's some like real ambiguity about the book's genre, and I don't really know what the story is. Like, I've seen it referred to as fiction, and I've seen Galvin talk about it. It's pretty obviously not. It's, it's, it's kind of a memoir, and I don't know. He seems to enjoy that ambiguity. I don't know if that was like a publishing thing, you know, where it was like, we better put this in fiction so we don't have to deal with certain things. But it's this real kaleidoscopic book that sort of follows all these people, including James Galvin, whose lives touch on this strange little meadow and the surrounding area. It's really lyrical, really beautiful book. I'm rereading it. I was struck by how much he packs into it. It's not told chronologically. It jumps around in time, but but not in a way that ever ever loses you. It has a lot of characters, but not in a way that loses you. I just thought it was really well written. And why did I think Becky would like it? Because it's uh, beautiful and because Becky's so country. Austin has this idea that I'm very country. Um. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm serious, though. It's, you know, um, Becky likes to go up to the woods and it's very lyrical about nature and about the way we live on the land and interact with the land and interact with each other and the way history sort of lays on the land over time. Yeah, and I think what one of the things that I liked about it, I like those things, but I liked kind of the interplay of these families, and it's just like two families and some bachelor types who kind of like interact through these generations so not a lot of interaction because it's like very rural, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a remote area. And yeah, like Austin said, it's not told chronologically, but it's never confusing as to like who's who and like what's happening when. And it felt like kind of the story of a community where the community is like very few people. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. It's also, the writing is very nice. Like, on a sentence level, there's lots of little bits that, like, kind of made me smile or laugh. Or it's really, like, mm-hmm. like that's a good observation type of writing. So it was just, like, a real a pleasant, a real pleasant read. It manages to strike a lot of tones, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny, and it's sad, and it's it's pretty, and it's, it, you know, at times very dark. Um, it, it manages to sort of hit... And there's even parts that are, like, suspenseful. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, a couple of different frontier type of situations where it's, like, they're in a whiteout. Can they find the house again? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been chomped by a bear. I uh, I think Lyle, who is sort of the central character of the book, even though they talk about a lot of, there's, a, there's several people the book rotates around. Lyle is sort of the hero of the book in a, in a weird way. He's this bachelor guy. All his family is gone, and he lives up on this place. And it sort of follows him in his last couple years, especially. And I think he's one of my favorite characters, you know, if you consider him a character. Again, you know, we don't know his fiction, you know. But he is one of my favorite characters. And even that opening scene, I always think of his, the opening scene is him like sitting, he's sitting at his window in his cabin 
like feeding bits of pancakes to the birds. To make you um, think of Daniel. And it made me think of Daniel. Yeah. Well, um, awful guy to be honest. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, in rereading, yeah, in rereading this book, I thought a lot about a certain kind of. And I think this does this for a lot of people, a certain kind of old timer. It made me think of my dad a lot because he grew up, you know, his father wasn't around a whole lot. And he grew up sort of under the wing of a lot of these sort of old time people, loggers. And and I and I grew up with those stories and it sort of reminded me of that. And rereading it, I was thinking it's such a atmospheric kind of heady book that I I was thinking of Vivian Gornick, this writer. She wrote a book about her and her mother. And recently she wrote an essay where she talked about her mother. You know, she would give her mother books and her mother would like tell her whether she liked them or not. And she had recently given her this memoir and she asked her mother how it was. And her mother said, I'll be lonely when it's over. And I always get that feeling reading, reading that book. It's like, you know, I'll be lonely when it's over. So when he writes about the meadow, that piece of property, he talks about how it was like in this weird jurisdictional area where like neither Wyoming nor Colorado like wanted to claim it as part of their state. And it that makes me think of it as like, I don't know, kind of like a metaphor for the book being like, is it fiction or is it mm-hmm. memoir too? Yeah. So really good selection. It's also very short. I read it in large print, which was also <laughs> really nice. So if it, you know, if you're feeling in the mood to just pick up something really lovely then that would be like a quick weekend yes he packs a lot into it it's kind of astonishing rereading it and when i got to the end it's sort of like my you know it's a lot in a in a book but then you know he's a poet i mean i think you can see that he mostly writes poetry in it both in how like lyrically dense it is and in how how much is said you know in in a real short book so so i think daniel would like it yeah yeah I was thinking of that, too. I'm intrigued. You should read it. Maybe they have it in an audio book. It might be good for a, a long drive. Yeah. That would be nice. That is, like, the exact area I'm going is mm-hmm. right <laughs> right on the Wyoming border. Perfect, then. So my top choice, then, for my sampler reading challenge was the book that Daniel selected. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> the Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. And I also knew right away that, that you had picked this one because I remember when you read it, which was, I don't know, two years ago, maybe? Yeah. Daniel, why did you select this book for me? Yeah, so um, I I listened to the audiobook and it was around two years ago, and uh, kind of a similar experience going in where I had heard great buzz about it. And people that I like, pop culture, kind of social media people that I check in with sometimes. I had seen it on like their best books or, you know, stuff like that. And I, I love Greek mythology and fantasy. And, you know, I, I like, you know, I knew Achilles is just sort of like uh, dipped by the heel. And then I think I may have seen Troy with Brad Pitt at some point. Um, so just kind of a very surface level kind of what is this myth? The audiobook was one of those where I was listening to it as I did things and then sucked into the point where I was at one, like towards the end. I was just, I remember laying 
on the carpet just listening to it. Like I was so sucked into it that that's all I could listen to to because I wanted to to know where it went and finish it and then talk to you about it. And it just seemed like when I was looking at the book sampler that you wanted and knowing kind of the Venn diagram of stuff we like that overlaps, I was like, I think pushing this into Becky's <laughs> reading list now, she she will like it. it. Like, if nothing else, it'll be one that she enjoys reading and she'll probably be able to burn through it. And I also, I there's a lot of things I love about it, but one of them is that, and we have talked about this before, that it kind of shows you that the the whole spoiler culture, I think it kind of shows how that is so overblown and people focus on it too much because this is a story that you can learn all about these characters in it and how it plays out. But the journey is still so enjoyable. And like, I, I definitely cried at the end and I was, I knew what was going to happen because mm-hmm. like halfway through, I, I <laughs> like Wikipedia <laughs> all this to be like, wait, who is, what's going to, and so I knew everything was going to happen, but I still wanted to watch it play out and just how she wrote it and how it sucked me in and how I cared about these characters. And I didn't know that it was going to be a romance. Like that's how little mm-hmm. I knew about the relationship of the Patroclus and Achilles. Like I didn't know this part of that mythology. And so it was, I was like, oh, whoa, this is going to happen. And then like got really invested in their relationship. And and I was like, oh, I know this war is going to be bad. (laughs) So I just felt like, you know, some of the some of the stuff that Becky and I read or watch, like we both like. And this this seemed to have so many of those elements where I was I was like, okay, if I'm going to pick one that I've read before that I'm pretty sure she will like, this is this is time to shoot my shot with this one. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, you know that Achilles, he's not going to make it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I'd read, I never, I've read parts of the Iliad and I've read like the Aeneid and the plays about Orestes. Anyways, I've read a lot of these classical books about this Trojan war, but also like, I kind of forgotten, like I forgotten how long the war lasted and never really read a a bunch about Achilles. But like you said, yeah, it's like you go in and you're like, okay, this is what it's going to be about. And it ends up being about the journey and it doesn't matter that it's, you know, how it's going to end. But so this book is from the perspective of, how are we saying? Patroclus? Patroclus. Patroclus. Trying to think of how the the British guy who read the book. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you listened to it. Yeah. Sometimes, too, when it's like the narrator has the difficult name, you don't have to say it very often. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he probably says Achilles like a million times. Yeah. (laughs) But he's the he's the narrator of this book. And it starts when he's like a really young child and they go to the bidding ceremony for Helen's hand in marriage. And he is like one of the people he's like eight or something who proposes to her and then like pledges that he'll defend her marriage, whoever wins her hand. And then 10 years later or whatever, she gets whisked away and it starts this war. And in the meantime, he's been like banished from his family for accidentally killing this boy and consent to live 
with Achilles' father, whose name I don't remember, and becomes like his companion. And eventually, as they grow up, his lover. And the plot really kept me intrigued, too, like picking this kind of smaller side story. Because when this was happening, I was like, oh, he's going to have to go to the war because he made this promise. But that's not actually why they end up going. It's because Achilles has this destiny. And his mother, who's the goddess, you know, essentially pressures him to go. But one of the reasons that the war goes on so long is that they know that Achilles will die as soon as this other guy dies. And so they put off killing that guy for 10 years. And then, you know, and then it just gets sad and devastating. And I definitely cried at the end also. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very moving story. And I didn't expect it to be the love story, which it essentially, that's like mostly what it is, I would say. Yeah, that I and I had the same when they're, I think it was when they're hanging out with the centaur guy mm-hmm. is when I was, it finally dawned on me like, oh, <laughs> this is, a, this is a love story. And then just like, I was off to the races, just like. Oh, what, how's this going to unfold? Like, I know how it's going to unfold, but mm-hmm. I want to know how she's going to write it. And you just feel like these characters are just, you're <laughs> against, you're rooting for them against all odds, even though you're like, they're doomed, but I still want this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want them to be together. Yeah. And there's a couple like of little things like when at the end, Achilles' son, whose name I don't remember, comes in and ends up kind of being the strong guy who finishes the war. And he's super full of himself and a total monster. And everyone's like, there's some line about how, like, people aren't going to remember you. And he's like, yeah, right. But it's true. I can't even remember his name right now. They're like, this piece is probably going to be more famous than you. He's like, no way. <laughs> But I also like that it's part of this tradition of retelling these this mythology over and over again from different perspectives. Yeah. Like, it, like I said, I have read like different versions of the Trojan War in different ways. It made me this this may be kind of a jump, but it made me like kind of feel like ten things I hate about you or she's all that, or it's just it's like the story that you know how it's gonna happen, but it doesn't make it any less enjoyable. And it has these kind of big Shakespearean themes and like pride and vanity and power and, and love and like has these big themes. And then it also can reduce it down to just like a man and a like half God, half man, you know, and these things that like make it feel so much more personal and, and relatable. It, it reminded me of those things of just like a retelling of Shakespeare, a myth or something like that, but it still is the myth, I guess, mm-hmm. is the difference. <laughs> yeah. And she, like, writes, so the, this was her first book, this author's first book, and she's, like, a classics professor, or maybe she teaches, like, a prep school or something. She talks about, that, like, the thing you said before, like, what you knew about Achilles is that he was dipped in the river sticks except for his heel, and that was the weak spot. And she talks about how that, that part of his legend was a really late addition, so she doesn't include it in this book, because, like, at the time where they were telling the Iliad and and other, like, Trojan War stories, that's that wasn't, like, a part of his story, and it was made up later. Which I thought was really interesting, because that's also kind of what I knew about Achilles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, how, like reading 
such a well-written, engaging story from someone who's like clearly kind of a master of mm-hmm. Greek mythology and stuff. Yeah, you, and you can just like think of these. Like, why was that part added? And then, like, is it about vulnerability? And, like, Mm -hmm. is that vulnerability just shown in a different way? And it's, you know, they reduce it just to this one, like, (laughs) weird act. But, yeah, it's, you you could really tell, like, her mastery of this and her knowledge of it just makes all the, like, all these characters, she really fleshes them out. And then she's also so good at, like, kind of pulling, like, big picture, like, the war itself mm-hmm. and, like, describing it but not making it so grim and dark. But but you still feel that about it. Like, you know the stakes, mm-hmm. you know the cost, but... And, and like, the, the action was really good and engaging. Yeah, it was just, like, kind of a roller coaster. Yeah, and she's really good at, too, at, like, distinguishing all, like, the players. Like, I... I was reading this graphic novel adaptation of the Iliad like a year and a half ago, and I was like, I can't, like, I can't keep all these people like apart, you know, all of these brothers. <laughs> they all have wives. Yeah. And they're all sisters. <laughs> like Agamemnon's father. And he did this. But in this book, it's just like clear. She just like, it's, she does a really good job of making them all really distinct. And, yeah. um, and maybe does that in part by just kind of pushing some of them, like, kind of into the background more. Yeah, highly recommend. Yeah, audiobook is excellent as well. Austin, do you want to read the Song of Achilles now? Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I would like to read her other, her other book that she wrote after this. Um, I don't know if she's written anything since then. I know that seeing that cover and like we had the audiobook on the shelf and just I just look at it every day I had desk and just be like I should read that or listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a copy. It's just I don't know. Sometimes you get those or at least I do like have a book or or whatever and you're like I know I'm going to like this mm-hmm. and I just have it waiting for me to like it (laughs) yeah and then sometimes it's like when you finally get to read it you're like why did i wait so long (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah so i'm interested in in um in her next thing and that was my library sampler so i recommend getting a library sampler super fun i did i made two library samplers yesterday um, that were really fun to make. There was this one uh, woman who sent a request in saying that she and her son need like a new fantasy, like children's fantasy series to read out loud. So like send her a bunch of options. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. No. So that was, that was fun. They are very satisfying to make. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed it a lot. It's a, it's a fun program. Yeah, and I think the best part for us is when someone writes back and is like, I loved that book. Yeah. Are you guys feeling that right now? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, so what are you guys reading right now? <laughs> <laughs> well. 
I'm I'm reading Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. <laughs> oh. Gilead. Still stuck on I'm halfway through. I really like it. I just my brain has been so scrambled. It's been hard to to focus. Um but I I I really do like it and I know that if I just gave it like two nights of reading I would finish it. So that's yeah, that's that's where I'm at um, in my reading journey. <laughs> I uh, I have one more book to read to get my five books so that my hat doesn't get repossessed. So I, I got to figure out maybe uh, the song of Achilles will be that last book. Yeah. But uh, right now I'm reading a John O'Hara book. People don't maybe know John O'Hara as much as they used to, but I've been hearing about how good his stuff was. You know, he kind of fell out of favor partially because it sounded like despite being a good writer, like nobody liked him in person. So he burned all his bridges. The biography that was written of him was called the art of burning bridges. Um, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working. No, no, that's real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Wolf wrote that, uh, Tobias Wolf's brother. So that's good. Some classics are more of a struggle to read than others, but then sometimes you read people, and I, I'm always astonished, you know, and it cuts through. You know what I mean? It just cuts through, and it feels so immediate. And his writing does feel really immediate, even though it's written in the 30s, mostly 30s, 40s. And I just read Jericho Brown's The Tradition, which won the Pulitzer for Poetry. Really, really beautiful, timely, fierce collection of poems. And I read The Meadow, obviously. Yeah. Joan Didion, uh, Book of Common Prayer. I read that one, which was really good and felt very timely, oddly enough, since it was written in 1977. But felt very timely because it's like about this woman who, like, is an American who moves to this small Latin American country and marries into the, like, dictatorial family that sort of dominates everything. And there's always these coups happening. And it just feels like very unstable you know everything is unstable and joan didion always writes about sort of dread and and a sense of strangeness and instability and anxiety and that felt really on the nose to me so um, i'm in the middle of of this book called agnes at the end of the world and it's a ya novel that came out last spring also very timely so she agnes is the main character, but also like her sister, who's she's 16 and then her sister is 15, is also like a, a main character. But they grew up on this cult, like a fundamentalist cult that she learns has existed for like 80 years, which seems like a long time. Um, but it's like a polygamous cult. Her she her mother is like bedridden. She came in from the outside and then lost like a number of children and, and now it's just like you know can't get out of bed so Agnes is like raising her like five brothers and sisters and um, she kind of starts to rebel from her society because her youngest brother is diabetic and she has been smuggling in insulin that she gets from a nurse to keep him alive because like her cult doesn't believe in like medicine and all of this stuff so she finds out from the nurse who brings her the insulin that there's a pandemic happening on the outside, this viral pandemic, 
And when she eventually escapes the cult, which is kind of at the part I am at now that she's been gone for like a day, she gets out to has to deal with this pandemic that's happening. So I was like, cults and pandemic, that's very like 2020. It's not, it's definitely like a scarier type of pandemic than what we're dealing with. It's like spread by touch and it turns and it's like animals and humans can get it the same. And it turns you like, it turns your like skin all like kind of red and scaly and it makes you like really aggressive so you can spread it. And then at the end, it makes you like attracted to other people who are also infected or other animals. And then they form what's called a nest where they just kind of like stick all together. <laughs> Our faces are both like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty yeah. hardcore. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because it's like, so I'm like in the middle and I was reading it last night. And it started to feel really like a horror novel where it hadn't really been before. So I don't know if it's going to continue that. It's uh, it's really engaging. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, that sounds wild. Like it's like <laughs> <laughs> kind of story that really sucks you in. Uh-huh. I think that one takes place in Arizona, not in Colorado. Well, thank you for coming on with me. And thanks for selecting two really good books that... And probably wouldn't have otherwise read, but in, enjoyed a lot. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Glad you liked it. Yeah, me too. Let me tell you, I took a week off at the end of, of December so I could just like relax in my PJs and read books. And then I ended up being like a pretty stressful week and not very relaxing. Um, so it was good to have like a couple of nice books to read then. So I appreciate it. Yeah. So thanks everybody for listening to your shelf. Or mine. Or mine. I'm Becky. I'm Austin. And I'm Daniel. <laughs> Bye. 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 Studio time for your shelf or mine is donated by KLOG Cooking Country and 101.5 The Wave. We at the Longview Public Library thank our local stations for their ongoing support. Your Shelf or Mine jingle is written and performed by Megan McEldry from A Song for You. Find Megan on Facebook or Twitter at Meg McEldry or online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McEldry. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McEldry. I'm actually reading Gilead right now, so... <laughs> mm. <laughs>